I wonder, uh, I wonder if anyone here has ever seen an angel. Uh, I know people who have. Uh, at least once, I believe, in this very building up on uh, the balcony when it used to be the former pastor's uh, office. Uh, some people were up there praying, uh, and an angel was there present. Uh, wisdom. Uh, and angels are um, uh, an amazing part of the Christmas story, uh, aren't they? We see an angel uh, firstly coming to Joseph and to Mary uh, prior to Jesus being born. Uh, and then we see the heavenly host uh, of angels uh, coming to the shepherds to share this wonderful good news that we've just uh, sung about. Uh, and, and when we see angels um, nowadays in nativities, they're usually played by uh, young girls, uh, usually dressed all in white, usually tinsel all around them, usually with a little tinsel halo as well. I'm sure many of us uh, have either been there ourselves or seen the ch uh, children or grandchildren uh, dressed up uh, in that way. And what's the first thing the angels say? Do not be afraid. Now, I see those, uh, those angels that we see, that we see uh, on the stage, and I don't think, ah, that's terrifying. Uh, as long as I don't have to teach them anything, it's absolutely fine. We see, we see the angels. I don't work in early years for a number of reasons. We see the angels, and, and our first thought isn't, oh, that's really scary. But clearly, on that very first Christmas, uh, the angels, the heavenly host, uh, appeared, and there was something to be scared of. At the time, uh, in Bible times, uh, if we're thinking um, uh, back to, to what the shepherds were, were, uh, would have experienced, I wonder if you've ever thought, I wonder what it would have been like to have been there. I wonder what it would have been like to have been sitting on that hillside as the heavenly host appeared. I think if I were alive 2,000 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been a shepherd. They were known for being tough, strong, and brave, and I don't think any of those adjectives describe me in any way. But it is interesting to try and picture for ourselves, to try to imagine what it would have been like to have been there at the time. In our brief time together uh, in the next 10, 15 minutes this morning, I want to look at an incredible passage at the start of Hebrews. If you've got your Bibles, do open to Hebrews chapter 1. It will also come up on the screen as well. With my little aside that I've slowly copied and pasted in. Right. Uh, uh, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And as we know uh, from passages such as uh, those in Isaiah, they're commonly read at this time of year. But in these last days, uh, verse 2, uh, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in, in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to the which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he said, Let all God's, God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. 
The scepter of justice will be scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for this wonderful passage that we can read together, describing your son, Emmanuel, the Lord Jesus. As we look into it briefly together this morning, may you, some, may you show us something more of who you, your son, the Lord Jesus, is. May we grow to love him more, to know more of him, and to know that if we choose to, we can be restored, reconciled to a relationship with him. Amen. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time delving into what angels are and aren't uh, this morning. Uh, that's a, a study for another time. I thought, Craig, maybe this is next year's Advent series, uh, is looking through Hebrews uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1. Uh, actually, um, just this morning I read, uh, J. John has written, a, the evangelist, written a blog on uh, angels. Some of you may uh, have, have seen it. But I want us to focus this morning on this series uh, of Emmanuel, who... Uh, Emmanuel is. We thought about three weeks ago, uh, faithful, we thought about merciful. We're going to think this morning about Emmanuel being dependable just before we uh, we delve into that uh, in slightly more detail. Uh, This passage is an incredible passage that talks about who Jesus, who Emmanuel is in comparison to the angels. One commentator uh, has has put it in, in eight superiors. Emmanuel is superior in name. Angels were messengers. That's what the word angel means, messenger. Jesus is God's son. They were superior in dignity. Angels were worshippers. Jesus, Emmanuel, is the one to be worshipped. Emmanuel is superior in nature. The, The text says a couple times, of the angels, he says, but of the son, he says. Emmanuel, superior in role. He's the king who rules. Emmanuel, superior in example. He loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Emmanuel, superior in work, in that he created the world. Emmanuel, superior in achievement, is that he now sits at the right hand of God. And Emmanuel, superior in destiny, in that as well as sitting at the right hand of God, he makes the enemies a footstool for his feet. Emmanuel is. When I was at um, uh, university, universities are wonderful mission grounds, aren't they? Uh, And the stories we hear of people at university coming to faith are wonderful. It's so important that we continue to pray for our students as they are reaching out uh, in those places. And our mission week had had a uh, a theme in my first year, uh, I remember it well, of certainty. Uh, And this quote uh, was used in all the the publications. Thanks, Alison. Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of the United States, 
In this world, nothing is certain but death and taxes. What a sad state of affairs. If we're living in this world and we can be certain of just two things, one day we're going to die, but before we do, we'll have to pay taxes. Not a, not a great advert for life on earth, is it? As I said to uh, the children earlier when we were thinking uh, about hope, we often think about hope as being expectation. We think about hope as being something that we wish for. I hope I get whatever it might be for Christmas. When someone's not well, we hope that they get better. I hope I do well in my exams. It's hope. It's not anything that we really can do about it. You might almost say it is hopeless, but that's not how we understand hope in the Bible. Hope in Jesus Christ is hope for a certain future with him. One commentator says this, hope is commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is the strength of the person's desire. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness. It's not to do with how much we want something, how much we desire something, how strong our will is. It's God's faithfulness. Why can we hope? Because of exactly what Craig shared with us three weeks ago. God is faithful, and he keeps all of his promises. Everything that God has said through his word, the Bible, either has come or will come true. When we think about that word dependable, apart from thinking about a cow in a swimming pool, I wonder what other images come to mind. In a sporting context, if someone's described as dependable, they're sort of reliable, get on with their job, uh, no, no, um, no flair, no showboating, no messing around, just do what they're meant to do. If someone's a dependable member of some sort of group or committee, or working party, they'll always be there, they'll always turn up, they'll do what they're expected to do, perhaps no more. Next slide, please, Alison. Maybe you remember uh, the, that little catchphrase of, sure, it won't let you down, it's dependable, we can rely on it. Uh, this one I appreciated this week, I do love a pun. Uh, the tyre shop, it won't let you down, see what they did there. Um, uh, again, another example of something that's dependable, we can depend on our tyres, they'll be just fine. I'd like to suggest this morning, when we're thinking about Emmanuel being dependable, it's not just enough to get by. It's not just he'll be, we'll be all right. And I'd like to think about just three ways in the next few moments about how Emmanuel is dependable from these first chapters of uh, Hebrews. Firstly, Emmanuel is dependable by sustaining all things. Look down to chapter, uh, to verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Very often at this time of year, we read that wonderful passage from the first chapter of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What does John chapter 1 verse 3 tell us? Uh, it says this, through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through Jesus, through Emmanuel, 
all things were made. Jesus was there. Jesus was present uh, at, at creation. Not only was he present at creation, not only was the world created through him, he then came to earth as a baby, as we remember at Christmas. Verse 14 of John uh, chapter 1 tells us, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Lord Jesus, God's only son, came to live amongst us here on earth. And then roughly 33 years later, he ascended into heaven but his work did not stop there. We're told that he intercedes for us. He prays for us at the right hand of the Father. And it tells us here that he sustains the world, sustains all things by his powerful word. I wonder how many of you have been to uh, the Chris a Christmas lights trail uh, this year. Spectacular, aren't they? We're fortunate to live uh, so close to Blenheim. I haven't been to Blenheim, but I have seen some of the amazing images. We took the cheaper option uh, and went to, well, we went to the kitchens. That, that wasn't cheap. That was slight, <laughs> slightly cheaper, but I think slightly more lights, actually. Uh, we also went to Wadsden Manor uh, on Friday, I'm going to say. Uh, and, and do you know what the most incredible thing that we saw there? The lights were amazing. The light trail was amazing. The hot chocolate we had afterwards uh, was amazing. The sunset was the most spectacular thing we saw in the whole light trail. Samuel said, Daddy, what's that? It's God's own light trail put on for us, created so that we can see his power. Far more spectacular than those brilliant lights that we saw that have been put up by man. This stunning red glow of a sunset. Jesus was there and spoke to create the world. He causes the sun to rise each day. He causes those beautiful sunrises and those stunning sunsets. He holds the world in motion exactly the right distance away from the sun so that it can sustain life, uh, rotating on its axis, orbiting around the sun to give, us day, to give us day and night, to give us the seasons, to give us years, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, Jesus sustains it. Emmanuel is dependable in sustaining the world. Emmanuel, secondly, is dependable in that his throne will last forever. Have a look at verse 8. In comparison to the angels, it then says this, But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. I remember at the time of the um, coronation, can we have that slide of the coronation chair, please, um, Alison, thanks. I remember at the time, thank you, uh, of the coronation, much was written about this seat. The coronation chair, St. Edward's chair, as it's also known, roughly 700 years old. Understood to be the oldest piece of furniture in the UK that still has its original use. Sat on by monarchs at their coronation. 26 monarchs have sat on that to be crowned. Henry VIII, Elizabeth I, Elizabeth II, and then uh, just earlier this year, King Charles III. Made from oak, covered in gold lead originally, elaborately decorated with colored glass originally. 
In 2013, it took uh, two years to restore it. One chair, two years. 700 years has this throne been in place. Wow, 700 years. But when we compare that to the throne upon which God sits in heaven, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. 700 years pales into insignificance. 700 years is just the blink of an eye when we think about eternity. Emmanuel is dependable in sustaining the world. Emmanuel is dependable in that his throne will last forever. And finally, Emmanuel is dependable in forgiving us. Have a look again at verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's almost a throwaway line, isn't it? Oh, after he, pro- after he had provided purification for sins, like that's the kind of thing that we do each day. When comparing Christ to the angels, much of our focus is on who Christ is. But let's not forget what he has done for each of us. What he's done in creating the world, what he continues to do in sustaining the world, but also what he did, the reason he came to earth, the reason he lived on earth amongst us for 33 years. He lived to die and then died, was crucified and raised again. The Bible tells us that we've all fallen short of the perfect standard that Jesus himself uh, um, set when he was here on the earth. The Bible calls it sin. We've all done wrong, and it separates us from God. But in coming to earth as a child, Jesus had a mission to complete, to bring sinners back to himself. I love singing Christmas carols. It was a lovely version of uh, Silent Night we did this morning. Thanks for introducing that to us, uh, Matt. My favorite has been for a number of years, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, as we give glory to the newborn king. And there's one line in there, four words in fact, that just blow my mind. God and sinners reconciled. God brought back, uh, sorry, sinners brought back so that we are reconciled with God because of what the Lord Jesus has done. In the Old Testament, only one man, the high priest, once a year, having completed the right rituals and the right sacrifices, could uh, go into what was the holy of, called the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelt. One man, once a year. And we can come to God through what the Lord Jesus has done for us, anytime, anywhere, any place, because we are reconciled with God. Emmanuel is dependable in that he sustains the world. Emmanuel is dependable in that his throne will last forever. Emmanuel is dependable in that he always forgives us. Can I invite the band 
back up. I don't know what you're hoping for tomorrow. If it's snow, probably <laughs> wrong place at this time of year. Maybe it's you're hoping for a gift. Maybe you're hoping that the gift you've given will be appreciated and not just tossed in the bin. Maybe you're hoping not to burn the dinner. Maybe you're hoping that you win the game of charades in the afternoon. Maybe you're just hoping for a day when people don't fall out over games. Hoping, wishing, wanting. Can I tell you the greatest gift you can receive this Christmas? The gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the greatest hope that we can have this Christmas, and it's a certain hope. No wish, no longing, no desire, no, oh, it depends how much I wish for it. Put your trust in him because he is totally dependable. We can totally rely on him. Next slide, please, Alison. Tim Chester puts it far more eloquently than I. Jesus is for life, not just for Christmas. He's not just the reason for the season. He's the meaning of everything. He's not just the point of Christmas. He's the purpose of life. Further on in that chapter that we've looked at uh, in John this morning, says this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that can be you this morning. If you haven't yet received eternal life from the Lord Jesus, can I encourage you to do so this Christmas and make it the greatest Christmas present you could ever receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Emmanuel, the Lord Jesus, God with us. We thank you that he is faithful. We thank you that he is merciful. And we thank you that he is dependable. We thank you that he is dependable in sustaining all things. We thank you that he is dependable in that his throne will last forever. And we thank you that he is dependable in that he forgives us if we only come to him and receive that wonderful gift of eternal life. Amen.